Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship Church, and I am on a sabbatical leave, but this message today was filmed before I left because I wanted to give an encouraging word to dads on Father's Day. So in your bulletin today, you'll find my message, and it's a, find an outline of my message entitled, Five Things That Godly Dads Do. I remember when my son came home from the hospital uh, and I held him, my firstborn, it was like, hey, this is great. He's home from the hospital. Now what? And if I could go back in time and tell myself a few things, this is what I'd say. As my sons are now getting married and I have one that's married and one that just got engaged and the other's still in college as they're headed toward this, I want to talk to them all these things. I'll be sharing all these things over and over again. So I hope this will be a real encouragement to every dad in the audience today. It was Mark Twain who said this once. He said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> That's the way I felt about my dad, too. When I was in high school, I didn't think he knew much. By the time I graduated from college, he'd gotten pretty smart. By the time I became a dad, he was brilliant. And today, I want to share with you, as I said, some things that I would pass on if I could go back and talk to me. So if you're a brand new dad, these would be things you want to take note of. For all of us, these are good reminders. And I hope that it'll be an encouragement as we study God's word together about how to be godly dads. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you that we can discuss from your word, that we can learn from your word, a few things about a few things that godly dads do. Your word is our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And Lord, I want you to guide me as a dad and as a father. And Lord, I pray that the lessons I've learned and the things that we share today will be helpful. So move me out of the way, Lord, and say whatever you want said to us today on this Father's Day. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Well, number one, godly dads tell their children about God and help them begin a relationship with Him. That is the most important thing when Moses was making sure that the children of Israel understood what they needed to do after they got into the promised land. Here's what he said. He said, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the most important thing we can do. And there's a fathering tip right here. It's never too late to start talking about spiritual things with our families or start again. I mean, this is the most important thing we can do. And I know that some of us might say, well, you know, I didn't learn that from my dad. I, I, I understand that. My dad and I, one time we were, we'd invited my parents down when the boys were small to come stay with us. And they did for a few days. And each evening we'd have devotions with our kids and then we'd send them to bed. We'd read a little small scripture. We'd pray together, and then we'd sing a song together. <laughs> and I'm glad that's not recorded anywhere. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's a good thing. But uh, what was interesting is one night after our kids had gone to bed, my dad said, well, John, where'd you learn all this? Because I didn't model that for you. And I said, well, Dad, I'd read some things from some people, learned some, some things from some others, and this is something that I want to do um, and for our kids. And he said, well, I'm glad you do. He says, you know, your, your grandfather never taught me that stuff. I went, that's okay. My dad taught me lots of other things. But I want to pass this on to us. It's never too late to start talking to kids about God. And even if you didn't grow up with that, well, let's start now. At Center Point, we say many times, 
hey, the best time to start is 20 years ago. Best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Next best time is today. Well, that's true with devotions too. It's true with praying with our kids. All those things are true. Let's just start today and say, hey, this is something I want moving forward. Another fathering tip here is that we must teach our children to love God while they're with us so they rely upon Him when they're on their own. I want my children to leave my house one day. I want them to leave. I want my wife to stay. And I want them to be independent of me, but I don't want them to be independent of God. Independent of me, dependent on God. Well, where are they going to learn that dependency? From me. That's my job as a dad. I want to encourage every dad here, the number one task is to make sure our kids love the Lord and have a relationship with Him. If we train up, here's what Proverbs 22.6 reminds us of, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I realize that's a proverb, but it's not a promise. I mean, we all know of people who were raised in godly homes and chose to do um, wrong things. That's certainly true. But the Proverbs are wisdom about this is the best way to go, the best way to live life, to be skilled at living. And if I'm going to be a skilled parent, then the very best thing I can do for my kids is to train them up in the way they should go and to have a right relationship with God. So number one, Godly dads tell their children about God and help them begin a relationship with Him. Number two, uh, the second thing that godly dads do is godly dads embrace, embrace being role models. I'm a role model. My kids apparently even walk like me. They were all home for Christmas, and my oldest son was home. Somebody at Center Point here in Prattville had, um, had seen my son walking across the parking lot and came up to me, oh, you're John Schmidt's boy. And he said, well, yeah. He goes, well, I can tell by the way you walk. You have a John Schmidt walk. So apparently I have a walk. I asked my wife about this. I asked my in-laws about this. and go, oh, yeah, they all walk like you. I didn't know that I have a gait or there's a certain way I carry myself that all my sons uh, walk the same way. I mean, it makes sense. They have patterned themselves after their dad. I patterned myself after my dad in many ways. Not that long ago, I was fussing at my son about his stereo being too loud in his car. I got to, went in to move his car, and it was just blasting. I go, how can you listen to that stuff? And no sooner had the words come out of my mouth that I realized that I had said the same thing that my dad had said to me when he moved my car once many years ago. I'm becoming just like him. Well, that's the way it is as dads. Our kids copy us. They imitate us. Paul didn't have biological children, but he had spiritual children. And here's what he said. For I became your father in Christ when I preached the good news to you, so I urge you to imitate me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Here's 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And you should imitate me, just as I imitate Christ. I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. To the Philippians, he said, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Paul set the pattern. Paul said, I'm your spiritual father. I want you to imitate me. Well, we need to embrace that as dads. Our kids are going to imitate us. And so let's set a good example. And there's a fathering tip here, or there's a note here, that values and habits are caught more than taught. That's true. I mean, if I say you ought to do something, but I do just the opposite, my kids will know. And they're going to follow what I do more than what I say. I mean, that's what most people do. And so... I'm going to seek to live the best example I can so that they will pattern themselves after me. If I want them to have a right relationship with God, well, I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to write in a journal. I'm going to pray so they'll copy me and they'll imitate my behavior. That's what I want. Now, what happens if I set a bad example? What if I do things wrong? Well, that's the fathering tip here. 
you and I, dads, we need to be transparent with our kids about our successes and failures and what God has taught us through both. You and I don't have to be perfect to be dads. We're going to blow it. But what's important is, is that when we blow it, our kids see how we react to that and that we admit that we're wrong. I'll never forget, um, when my kids were real small, we had a rule in our house that if you slammed the door, then you had to sit in time out for 10 minutes because we didn't want little fingers getting crushed in doors. And when they're running through the house slamming doors, it could get real dangerous because they were all really small at the time. Well, I was in seminary at the time, and there was one day when I was late getting to class, and I was scooping papers up and putting them in a... uh, backpack and all my books and I was running late and I said bye and I slammed the door behind me and got in the car and drove off well later that day when I came home we were sitting around having dinner everybody was quiet at the dinner table and one of my sons looked at me and goes dad this morning when you left you slammed the door you know and everybody was nodding because that was a big deal <laughs> and my wife said you know the penalty for slamming the door is 10 minutes in time out so I had to sit and time out for 10 minutes. And what I taught my kids to that is that I wasn't above the law. And that slamming the door is a bad idea for dads too. I had to admit that I was wrong and be transparent that I blow it. And that went a long way in convincing them that, hey, this is a good rule. The dad has to obey too. Now look, I want to make sure that my kids understand this, that when I do things wrong, then I own up to them. I was talking with a father not that long ago who, um, well, he had been pretty uh, physically active with his wife before they got married. It's the best way I can say that, (laughs) mixed audience here. And he was concerned because now his teenage son was dating a very lovely girl and he was concerned that they might be physically active too in their dating and stuff. And I said, why don't you talk to him about it? He goes, well, I can't talk to him about it. I mean, look what I did. I didn't even become a Christian until... I was in my mid-twenties or anything like other things like this, and so I didn't live that way. And I said, well, that's what you need to tell him. I mean, if I'm transparent, I can say, look, I want you to follow my example, but let me show you a couple places in my, in my example that I'm not proud of, and let me show you a better way to live. I mean, if I've made the mistakes, I don't want my son to make the same one. There's no reason to, uh, my son's to make the same mistakes. There's no reason to pay the stupid tax twice. Let's learn. But I need to be transparent and open to that. Paul wanted the Philippians to learn uh, from his mistakes. Uh, He had been into a lot of religion, a lot of status quo, a lot of climbing the ladder. Um, And he said, that's not the way to go. And he said, I've now found that a relationship with Christ is more important than all that. He said, yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I can embrace Christ and be embraced by Him. You know, Paul said, I want you to follow my example, but I also want you to learn from my mistakes. I thought all that stuff, climbing the ladder, being a big shot in my religion, that that was terribly important. It's not. Knowing Jesus is the most important thing. Our kids need to hear the same sort of thing from us dads. Who else is going to do that for them? They need to see our successes, and they need to see how we handle our failures and how we admit when we're wrong. Now, one other fathering tip I pass on. Dads, we need to model a loving relationship with our spouses so our kids see this. Where else are they going to see it? Are they going to see a loving relationship between a man and his wife, between a dad and a mom on TV? In the movies? No, all we see is adultery and affairs and all sorts of innuendo and dirty talk. 
where are they going to see what it's like when moms and dads love each other and have a deep and abiding relationship and they care for each other and work out their problems? Well, that should be at home. Mother's Day, we read this verse. It's worth reading again. Proverbs 31. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Well, my kids need to hear me praising their mom. I mean, why am I going to wait for somebody else to do it? It's important that we are role models and our kids see that. So, godly dads tell their children about God, help them begin a relationship with Him. Godly dads embrace being role models. And thirdly, godly dads take the lead in discipline. This isn't just women's work. This isn't about to mom to discipline the kids and then, you know, every now and then we might get a little bit involved. We take the lead. We're invested in this because we want to help train up our children in the way they should go. Discipline, while you're, discipline your children while there's still hope. If you don't, you'll ruin their lives. That's Proverbs 19.18. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. That's Proverbs 13.24. If you've ever heard the statement, spare the rod, spoil a child, it's Proverbs 13.24, just in a paraphrase. If we love our kids, we'll discipline them. I want my kids to learn respect at home. I want my kids to learn to be on time at home. I want my kids to learn to make their bed and clean their room and put their dishes in the dishwasher at home. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Please. Thank you. Looking you in the eye when you shake hands and introduce yourself. These things are all important. I want them to learn those things from me. And when they don't do those things, I want them to understand there will be consequences and there will be discipline because I'm trying to help them become godly young men who handle their money well, handle their time well, know how to show respect, those things are going to serve them well the rest of their lives. So here's a fathering tip. Discipline is more than punishment. It's more than punishment. Not just, I'm going to whoop you if you mess up, but I'm going to correct you so you go the right way. Discipline involves training of the mind or character in order to change an undesirable behavior or teach a life lesson. I want my kids to grow and and succeed and go the right way. So when I see them going the wrong way, I want to make sure that I put in some discipline, make sure they don't go there again, and I have a chance to point out, hey, this, is, this isn't going to help you. You need to change the behavior now. I'm, I'm on your side. I'm your biggest champion. Let me show you how you need to act. And we're not going to tolerate that, that other behavior here. Three things that are important on this. First of all, we need to communicate our expectations clearly. And dads, that means we sit down and we write out, hey, if I expect you to be home by 1130, we write that out. Here's when your curfew is. It's 1130. If I expect you to get certain chores done, I've written those on a piece of paper. These are the chores I expect you to get done, and in what time. None of us would like to be held accountable to standards we don't know. We must discipline through appropriate consequences. They're not going to get some DEFCON 5 reaction for a small infraction. They're going to get an appropriate consequence. I've met with people before when their kids blow it on something, and maybe they miss a curfew, maybe they do something they shouldn't do, and all of a sudden they're grounded for a month. And then two weeks in, the parents go, oh, man, I wish we'd have thought of that because now we have to stay home for a month. And everybody's miserable. And even though the issue had been dealt with long ago, the consequences now, or the punishment, is five times worse than the infraction, and everybody's suffering from it because they didn't give any thought to it. We need to make sure that uh, we have appropriate consequences in our discipline. And finally, we need to be consistent. We can't one time make a a federal case out of it, and the next time it's no big deal. We need to be consistent. 
And that way our children will learn from it and say, no, mom and dad really value that. They weren't just in a bad mood or they weren't just overreacting. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Listen to this. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And what Paul's talking about there is exactly what we were just mentioning. If we set clear standards and, so, and our expectations are clear, we have reasonable and appropriate consequences and we're consistently enforcing them, then our children will learn what's important to us. But if I'm all over the page and I'm just making this stuff up as I go along and one time it's a big deal and the next time it's not, my kids get frustrated. They go, I don't even know how to react to this. You're driving me crazy. And finally, you and I must not expect our kids to like discipline. The scripture is very honest about this too. Proverbs 12, 11, 12, 11, No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there'll be a quiet harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Nobody likes to be in time out. <laughs> Nobody likes to have privileges taken away. But if I learn with small consequences at home, it'll save me great pain and worse consequences when I'm older, if I'm really going to train up my child in the way he should go when he's young, well, then that's going to serve him well later on. And dads, this is where we get to play. We get to be a part of shaping young men and young women to be godly young men and godly men and godly women when they grow up. God allows us to participate in this. And so, you know, again, if I could go back and remind myself of anything of this, I'm grateful for all the reminders I had. We had been given books about this right when our kids were very young, and so my wife and I talked about lots of those things. And in this one area, I was very happy that we had a lot of things in place before our kids got to the age where we needed to start disciplining them on a regular basis. And so we were ready for it. It's going to be something I want my sons to know, and I'd pass that on to all of us today for our consideration. Now, the fourth thing that godly dads do is this. They see themselves as booster rockets. John, where is booster rocket in the Bible? It's uh, not, okay? That's my expression for this. But when a rocket is launched into outer space, there are a number of stages because uh, the rockets are so heavy. And some of the earlier stages, they're just booster rockets. The, the part of the rocket that throws the capsule into outer space never makes it all the way itself because it's just the fuel to propel the capsule as far as it needs to go. And when it's spent, then the booster falls away. Well, to me, that's a good picture of my role with my kids. They're gonna, hopefully, they're going to outlive me. And I want to use the resources and the training and the lessons I've learned in my life to take my kids to a higher orbit than I've achieved. My parents did this. My dad... Uh, yeah, he, never gradu- he never graduated from college, never went to college. But all six of us kids had the opportunity to go. And three of us, of, of his six children, have advanced degrees. We have graduate degrees. I mean, that's really incredible. He and my mom sacrificed as much as they could. Um, they didn't have enough money to pay for everything for us to go to school, but they gave us what they could. And they told us that. They said, we're going to give you what we can. Our parents helped us, and now we're helping you. So I'm standing on their shoulders. Well, I want my kids to stand on mine and my grandkids to stand on theirs. Now, as dads, I think this is what godly dads do. That's the way they think. How can I invest in my kids? How can I push them to the highest orbit possible? doesn't guarantee they'll stay there. They can make bad choices, and people do. But for my part, 
I'm going to help them go as far as they can with the time and instruction and love that I can give. Here are a couple of scriptures, I think, that capture the heart of this. Uh, Mark 10, 13. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. And it goes on to say that the disciples tried to chase him away. And Jesus said, don't do that. Let them come to me. But think about the parents there. You know what their desire was? Their chief desire was to let their children come to Jesus so Jesus could bless them. I mean, that's the heart of that step number one of making sure our kids know Christ. Even if I didn't know Christ when I was their age, I want my kids to know him from as young on as they can so they can grow deeper in their relationship than I ever could have in the same amount of time. I mean, think if we thought that way. That's what's going on here in Psalm 78. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn or rebellious, unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. In Psalm 78, they said, we don't want our kids to have the same fate as our ancestors who were stubborn and rebellious who died in the wilderness. We want to teach them those stories so our kids can learn and they can go to new heights. Dads, this is our opportunity. This is our job right now while we have our kids here to give them as much instruction as we possibly can. That's what godly dads do. Fifthly, godly dads pray. They do. I pray for my kids all the time. And um, those are the two fathering tips, by the way. Godly dads pray for their kids as often as they can. And godly dads pray with their kids as often as they can. I mean, prayer is a vital part of our relationship. Paul, again, no biological kids, but spiritual kids. Here's what he wrote in all of his letters. Here are two of them, Romans and Ephesians. God, or part of quotes from both those letters. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart, spreading the good news about his son. That's Romans 1.9, Ephesians 1.16. I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Well, that's what I'd write in a note to my kids. I thank God for you all the time. I'm glad for what a strong young man you become. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to be your dad. And I pray for you all the time. You're constantly in my prayers. I tell my kids that. When they were small, we prayed for them on their way to school. When they got done with school, we prayed, for them, prayed with them on the way home about what happened that day. We prayed before we ate. We prayed before we went to bed. We prayed when they were sick, they'd get well. In the middle of the night, when they were scared, we prayed that God would protect them so they could go back to sleep. We prayed. And we wanted our kids to know that, so we prayed with them every chance we had, and we pray for them to this day. And by the way... It's a pattern that hasn't stopped, and I, I'm always so happy about cell phones now. My kids will call me if they have a big decision to make or a test coming up or things. They go, Dad, would you pray for me? I go, sure. And we'll stop and pray right there on the phone. Right there. I don't want that to ever change. My wife and I, before we go to sleep at night, we always pray for our kids. We grab hands and we pray and say, we pray for our kids by name. And we pray for whatever is going on in their lives. Sometimes it's a prayer of thanksgiving. Sometimes it's a prayer going, Lord, show them what to do. I remember when they were teenagers, we prayed, Lord, please help us to love them. And we really just are mad as heck at them right now. (laughs) But we always pray for our kids. Because that's what godly dads do. So let's put it all together. 
Godly dads pray. Godly dads see themselves as booster rockets. Godly dads embrace being role models. Godly dads lead the way in discipline in their homes. And godly dads make sure their kids have a right relationship with God. These are just helpful reminders. And if today the Lord spoke to you about something you need to do, need to start doing, or something that um, you've never done or used to, but you stopped doing it, you need to start again, well, let's get going. What better day than Father's Day? Oh, and by the way, for the rest of us here, it's good to pray for dads too. They need some prayer. I love it to know when I know that my kids are praying for me. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be on sabbatical. I'll be back with you soon. But I'm going to have a word of prayer for us right now and ask God to help all of the men in the room uh, be godly dads. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And Father, I pray that you would convict each one of us of these truths. Father, Moses was right um, when he told the children of Israel there's nothing more, more important than to repeat again and again the commands of the Scripture to our children. Those teachable moments come at unexpected times. And God, I just pray that we'll be ready when we're driving down the road or when we're coming home. Whenever there's an opportunity, we'll stop and pray or give a word of instruction. Father, I pray that you'd remind us to pray with our kids as often as we can and to pray for, all, for our kids all the time, even when they're not with us. I pray, Lord, for every dad in the sound of my voice, Lord, that we will take the lead in discipline. Lord, where are our kids going to learn manners if not from us? Where are they going to learn respect? Where are they going to learn priorities if we don't help them learn these things? Please, Father, help us take the lead in discipline. And Father, I just pray finally that you'd help us embrace being role models. That we'd model godly behavior every time we can. And even when we blow it, we'd model how, what it looks like to repent and come to you. I pray that if somebody here today was deeply convicted about something they needed to change their behavior, they'd tell their kids or their grandkids and say, you know, I'm starting something new. I wish I'd have started this sooner, but I'm starting it now. And we'd model what it's like to begin or begin again. I thank you for hearing our prayers. I thank you for your word to guide us. And I thank you, Lord, uh, for the opportunity to to cooperate with you in shaping generations yet to come. I'm grateful that I have a chance to be a dad, and I pray for all the other dads here. Show us how to be the best we can be. Help us be booster rockets to push our kids and our grandkids as high as we can get them and as close to you as we can. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.